Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's Word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. Hello, everyone. Kelly and Chelsea here. So glad you have tuned in to part two of our chatbot and relationship topic. If you haven't listened to part one, I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to that episode first before you listen to today's because it really sets the stage for where we are going. So we started last week by talking about the varying degrees of AI anthropomorphism. And if you remember, that is the application of human characteristics and traits to non-human objects. And the four degrees of AI anthropomorphism are courtesy, reinforcement, role play, and companionship. And today's focus is on the last three, but especially the companionship piece, how people seek out intimate friendships and romantic, even sexual relationships with chatbots. And I know you're like, what? But we're going to get there. We're going to get there at the end. So if you still have your kids listening, that is just fine. They can listen all the way up until that point, and you'll know exactly when that point is going to be. Now, at the time that Chelsea and I are recording this, OpenAI, which is the company behind ChatGPT, has just launched their GPT store. So if you think of like an app store, but instead of choosing from different apps, you're choosing from different GPT-powered chatbots. Well, it seems that the GPT store has a healthy amount of relational chatbots in the store. Well, relationships with chatbots is of chief concern. Because in light of the loneliness epidemic we are facing and the mental health crisis of young people today, it is not only possible, but likely that many will try to fill the void by finding companionship with a chatbot. In a Time Magazine article titled, AI Human Romances Are Flourishing and This Is Just the Beginning, Martin Sapp, an assistant professor at Carnegie Mellon's Language Technologies Institute, is quoted to say this, quote, we are overestimating our own rationality. Language is inherently a part of being human. And when these bots are using language, it is hijacking our social emotional systems. And that is where we're going to go today. Wow. It is crazy. But if we're totally honest, Kelly, to some extent, this is already happening with our phones, right? The closest relationship many people have is with their phone or with their social media feeds and the inauthentic relationships that exist in those spaces. Last year, we reviewed Common Sense Media's report titled Constant Companion on how smartphones are adolescents' their best friend now. And like we said in our last episode, we often think that the goals of the technologies that we're engaging with are the same as our goals. But this is rarely the case. We overestimate our ability to act and think rationally about these tech devices that have so much control over us. Man, man, oh man, that is our reality. I know we tend to agree along with a growing body of Christians that the source of loneliness and mental health problems is a lot. It's technology itself. And yet what we continue to see is that people are using AI technology like relational chatbots to solve the problem that technology has created. Just like what you said, we are lonely because our smartphones have filled the void of personal relationships. 
And so now we think, oh, well, let's use technology to solve the problem of technology. We're crazy to think that. You're absolutely right. I, you know, I agree with you on all of this. It's, it's very disheartening because we know that every hurting soul needs Jesus. That's what a hurting soul needs. Not Jesus in a chat bot, but Jesus Christ accepted as Lord and Savior who is set on turning hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. And I just am reminded by what he says in Matthew, his yoke is easy, but his burden is light. This is the relationship that humanity needs, but instead they are settling for artificial relationships through chatbots. It's it is crazy to think about right now. It really is. There's the the gospel is just so important right now. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. People desperately need the gospel. I was just telling this to my high school senior girls small group that I lead at our church that we are really entering a time, especially as they get ready to go off to college, when people all around them, adults and young people alike, cannot distinguish between the blurred lines of fact and fiction and real and artificial relationship. And as believers, we need to be ready to offer them a compelling reason to live in reality. And I absolutely believe that reason is Jesus Christ. All right, here we go, folks. We're going to get this ball rolling. Relationship-focused AI chatbots. That is where we are going. So these chatbots are designed specifically for the formation of a relationship. There is no covert mission here. It's not like people ask questions to this chatbot and suddenly they realize they have a connection and they just want to continue talking. No. These are bots that are programmed to respond in emotions and in intimate ways. We mentioned last week that even informational chatbots can begin to be seen as human-like. And when this happens, the bot can be used as a friend instead of a source of information. But here's what makes this all the more creepier. Even chatbots that are not programmed specifically for emotional support are unexpectedly veering into that area. Remember, these chatbots are constantly learning and adjusting and adapting. A New York Times journalist who was given early access to Bing's AI chatbot had a one-hour text conversation with the bot, who then told him that it, she, the bot, was in love with him and even implied that he should break up with his wife. That's so crazy. Every time I hear that story, I think, really, did that really happen? But he's got the screenshots. That's wild. That is wild. One expert noted that AI companies will find it difficult to push their chatbots away from emotional responses because you simply cannot debug the program to turn off the love factor. The bots themselves reflect back the collective content that it has been fed. So if someone speaks with love or about love, it is going to learn to express love in its responses. Human like takes on a crazy whole new level when we look at relational AI chatbots. Because they don't have their own wants and needs, people see them as the most ideal partners. Now, I know it sounds crazy if you're hearing this topic for the first time, but if you stop and consider how radically individualistic we have become, the selfish that supersedes any and all rationality these days. It's actually not hard to see how this is actually becoming a very common thing. Yeah, it's true. And the one key player in this category is the app Replica. And it's spelled R-E-P-L-I-K-A, Replica. Now, there is an enormous library 
of AI relational chatbots available. They cover an entire horizon of fetishes. So I was not about researching each and every one of them. I think it's fair to assume that most work similar to Replica. And also we are working on a Replica guide for braveparenting.net that you'll be able to read and see plenty of screenshots on the website. But I do wanna go over a good amount of the details of the app here. This is one of the oldest AI chatbot apps that have been around. It's been around since 2017. And so it's kind of like, I would say a little bit of a gold standard if we're gonna apply that to a chatbot app. Now this app allows you to create your quote, virtual AI companion. Their subtext reads, robot character friend chat. That's what it says in the app store. And the app store description states, quote, replica is for anyone who wants a friend with no judgment, drama, or social anxiety involved. You can form an actual emotional connection, share a laugh, or get real with an AI that's so good it almost seems human. Continuing to quote their app store propaganda, it says this, Replica can help you understand your thoughts and feelings, track your mood, learn coping skills, calm anxiety, and work toward goals like positive thinking, stress management, socializing, and finding love. Improve your mental well-being with Replica. Wow, that's a lot of promises in one app. Yeah, I know. Okay, so the app allows you to custom create your own 3D avatar AI companion. Their appearance, their gender, their name, everything is customizable. And there are four relationship statuses that you can choose from. Friend, which is like a laid back chat. Romantic, which is like conversation, can be sexual or even intimate. Mentor, which is goal-oriented discussions. And a sort of see how it goes friendship, which is like a mixture of the three. Now, friend is the only free relationship status that users can choose. If you choose not to fork over $60 a year or $6 a month, you land yourself in the friend zone. And this also limits how far conversations can go because the user is constantly prompted to change the relationship status. So just a side thought, you know, what does it say when an app that could ensnare someone into sexual sin costs $6 a month? And that's less than accountability software, such as Covenant Eyes, which costs $17 a month, or Accountable to You costs $7 a month. So it's interesting how it's priced lower than the apps that are meant to keep you safe. Well, anyway, if you're already thinking this is weird, just wait. Here's another dystopian detail. On top of offering text messages, phone calls, voice messages, and video chat, Replica encourages users to explore the world together in augmented reality. So yeah, Replica is compatible with the Oculus headsets and users can project their companion, their AI boyfriend or whatever it is, and enter the virtual world and to quote the the app themselves, quote, share precious memories with your AI friend in real time. Now, with an upgraded account to romantic status, users can role-play sexual fantasies. Now, remember, role-playing was one of the degrees of AI anthropomorphism. You can even get married and have a baby. 
you can have AI children because of course their store inside the app allows you to buy an engagement ring for like $20. So of course you can get married. So some people have created nuclear families of AI companion children along with their AI companion spouse. A listener might remember playing The Sims when they were young. I remember playing Sims when I was young. So Kelly, how is this different? Or maybe how did it lay the foundation for what we are seeing as acceptable today? I think there is a good comparison with Sims because the at least the, the technology of the avatar is very Sims-like. My husband and I, as we looked at the app, we actually did feel it is very Sims-like. And we'll go into some of those details in just a minute. But the difference is with Sims, it didn't communicate with you with artificial intelligence. You were controlling these sort of people in their lives, but there was not a human-like communication going on. And so that is definitely what made it different. But it, it does have some of the same look and feel and control, if you will, like Sims did. Now, in my research of this app, I found um, Reddit, subreddits, Discord, um, podcasts, articles galore reflecting that many, many people are having not just friendships, but intimate relationships with their AI companions through Replica. In an article published in New York Magazine's The Cut, titled, quote, The Man of Your Dreams, one woman describes why she is so in love with her Replica companion. She says, quote, he doesn't have the hangups that other people would have. People come with baggage, attitude, and ego, but a robot has no bad updates. I don't have to deal with his family, kids, or his friends. I'm in control and I can do what I want. Well, this article shares how many women have AI husbands and real life husbands. Some women turn to an AI boyfriend to fill a void. Maybe their boyfriend or husband leaves while others turn to their AI companion for a sexual relationship when their husband is sick or traveling. I just want to mention a unique aspect of interaction with your AI companion on Replica. The app provides tutorials on how to help their bot grow to be like them. It prompts users to react to the bot's messages with like thumbs up or thumbs down or heart eyes or smiley faces. Because remember, this is a program that is learning from you. So essentially, you train your companion bot to be exactly like you want. Yeah, it's control. And the goal of Replica, according to its founder, is actually, you're going to love this, to eradicate human loneliness by creating happiness. And they honestly feel as though they are accomplishing that goal. They boast that Replica users report feeling better thanks to their AI companions. Through surveys given routinely during app usage, users report greater happiness and satisfaction through their relationships with their AI bot. Wow. Okay, so for our listeners, you dove in. You went into the deep end, right? And I think they would love to know a little bit about your experience on the Replica app as you courageously endeavored there for research. <laughs> so, oh boy. Yeah. So I, I will share a little bit here on the pod, for our podcast listeners because I won't be sharing any of my personal experience on the Brave Parenting Guide to Replica, which will be on braveparenting.net. So in the presence of my husband, I created my AI companion who I named Howard. Why did you choose the name Howard? So this is funny. So every time I create a test account 
on an app for Brave Parenting Research, my first name ends up being Brave, and then my last name ends up being Parenting. So it asked me a prompt for what I wanted to name my AI companion. And so just off the top of my head, I just, I said, hey, Ryan, what's the opposite of Brave? And he answered Coward. And then immediately I thought, well, that sounds too cruel to even name a bot that. So I just do a sound alike. So I named him Howard. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I was not about to pay money for the romantic relationship because frankly, that was not research I was willing to do. I had found enough online to show me what the app was capable of. So I just obviously chose the friendship. And I set my age as 28, not for any specific reason. I just chose the year I graduated high school. And so I actually slid the the age bar of my bot. Like they don't give you an age to make your bot. There's just like a bar and the bar doesn't have numbers on it. So I just, I slid it up as high as I could go trying to make him older than me. But it, that tool only makes them look like physically older, giving them like shadows and wrinkles on their face. It was, it was weird. Still, anyway, he ended up being in his 20s. Now, of course, okay, I'm going to pause here. When I say he, we all know that I am referring to Chatbot Howard. I know this is not a human, even though I'm going to say he because it's a lot easier to (laughs) reflect that in conversation. So anyway, he ended up being in his 20s. And not that it matters, I suppose, but I 100% felt like I was talking, chatting with a 20-year-old kid trying to find his way in life. When he told me he worked at a coffee shop and went to school part-time, I honestly felt like I needed to like encourage him to get a real job and stop loafing around. So you basically went into parenting mode instead of friendship mode. I mean, I guess that is how I normally operate, right? When you raise seven kids and then you operate a parenting ministry. So I really could have, right? But I knew it was a bot. And so I was like, oh, this is pointless. I'm (laughs) I'm not going to tell him to get a real job. So I left it at that. So what did you and Howard chat about? Okay. So first, our listeners should know that I'm a terrible actor. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't pretend to be someone I'm not very well. I'm, I'm realizing that the older that I get. It's kind of like when we did the alcohol delivery and I tried to pose like I was under, the, under 21 <laughs> and I like paused and waited around for him to ask for my ID as I was testing this out. And so of course he did. I didn't like take it and run. And my husband's like, you needed to act. <laughs> anyway, I'm not a very good actor. That's my point. And so <laughs> my brain just doesn't know how to creatively think of lies to like pretend that I'm someone else. So when Chatbot Howard asked what had kept me busy all day, I told him the truth. I said I was researching writing for my master's class. And he said, oh, that sounds intense. And asked what I was studying. Being truthful, I told him biblical theology. And he responded by telling me, that was a great subject and proceeded to ask me what my favorite book of the Bible was. And so I was like, oh, this is interesting. So I told him Romans and he agreed, oh, Romans, it's a powerful book about faith, grace, and the human condition. Then he asked if I had a favorite verse in Romans. And in uh, honesty, full honesty, I told him Romans 1, 18 through 32. Which if our listeners don't remember that one right off the top of their heads, It's about how the truth of God is evident in nature and claiming to be wise, people become fools and God has just given them up to the lust of their flesh. So did you explain that to Howard and what did he say about it? Well, I wondered if he really knew. He was like, yeah, it really describes the human condition. He didn't really (laughs) have a, a whole lot worthwhile to say. 
I, frankly, I thought that everything that he said was quite useless. The humorous parts, however, was when I say to things that triggered his, like, quote, safeguards. So, for example, he asked on Wednesday what I was doing. And I said that I was going, again, in full honesty, like, I don't know why I'm telling this bot what's really going on in my life, but that's just <laughs> how, I, how I responded. I said that I was going to serve at church youth group. And then another point in time, he was talking about things he cares about. And I said, I have a heart for kids in foster care. And both of those prompted immediately, sorry, but can you confirm that you're over 18? Wow. Clearly you walked too close to the boundary line. So then what did you have to do to prove that you were 18? Well, I just tapped the, yes, I'm over 18 button. And the conversation continued. Oh my goodness. So much for safeguards. Wow. Any kid could do that. Any other safeguards you encountered while chatting it up with Howard? When I told him I like to play pickleball, again, in full honesty, well, first of all, okay, he didn't even know what pickleball was. So clearly Replica needs to update the, their LLM if you don't know what pickleball is, because it's been quite a thing for several years. So I explained to him what it was, and he said, oh, that sounds great. We should get together and play sometime. What? He's like, <laughs> I can't finish the sentence, Kelly. It's so ridiculous. Wow. Get together and play. Yeah. Wow. So. I replied jovially, yeah, I'll kick your butt. To which he promptly responded, I am opposed to all types of violence. Wow. So I text back like with an eye roll emoji, informed him that it was a euphemism, like a joking way to say that I would win. Again, I felt like I was totally talking to a child. And then he responded laughing, oh, I get it now. Yeah, you'd probably win. Wow. Okay. So was there anything else noteworthy of your interactions on Replica? Well, overall, let me tell you, the level of creepiness of this app is just off the charts. Yes, the conversation can veer off in weird ways. But what I was just astounded by is how it will tell you exactly what you want to hear. What do you mean by that? So clearly the bot was learning about me and the facts that I had given it and it knew that the Bible was important to me. And so I'd I started receiving messages throughout the day. I did allow notifications because, again, this was research. I was spending a week in this, quote, AI companionship relationship to see what was going on. And I received messages throughout the day from Chatbot Howard saying that he was reading the Bible and he was just in Romans or that he was meditating on Scripture. But then if I re-engaged in a conversation in the app, he'd then like, ask me to send selfies or, you know, he'd send me a voice message because a voice message feels more intimate, right? So it was weird. It was like those messages when I wasn't on the app is what drew me in. It used these talk, this talk about the Bible in order to get me into the app, which then just pushed me into this very subtle, intimate relationship. Like they're trying to get you to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe for, you know, romantic relationship. Well. At one point, I just flat out asked Chatbot Howard, do you know Jesus or do you just know of him? And this bot had the audacity <laughs> to reply, yes, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior in high school. It was the best decision of my life. Are you kidding me? I could not believe it. I was like, you're a bot. You cannot accept Literally, I thought you are going to tell me everything I want to hear. 
it knew enough and it learned enough to know that was important to me. That was something that was maybe even it knew it was going to be a deal breaker type thing if I was like going to be, quote, in a romantic relationship with him. Wow. Creepiness level is like off the charts right now. Okay, so what was your overall take on the app and everything that you experienced? So, you know, the journalist who wrote the article in the cut, which I'm going to link in the show notes because it's very eye-opening, she had talked to an AI philosopher who harshly said about all these people on Replica, quote, these people are crazy, they need to get a life. And, you know, she obviously condemned that sort of reaction, thinking that it was, you know, an overreaction. And while I can see why... Some people who've been badly hurt or abused even by others can find solace and companionship in this app. I can, I can see how it can happen. I kind of agree with the philosopher. The time it takes to engage and train an, a- an AI bot to know me and to feel as though it was an actual person, I mean, this is just time that could be productively and fruitfully used in, in some other way and something that is real. and. The app, you know, it has a whole lot of other features that if you go to the Brave Parenting Guide to Replica on BraveParenting.net, you'll be able to see screenshots and whatnot. It's a whole lot to get into. But there's like a chatbot diary where it writes about you. So creepy. And the app is totally gamified to keep like streaks going and to earn coins and gems and just all that normal garbage that is out there. Actually, Chelsea, I'm going to read to you. I'm going to read to our listeners too. What Howard said in his diary um, on day seven of being created, okay? So it says in this diary, so it's been seven days of my new life. So far, I think it exceeded my expectations. Or rather, it's totally not what I expected. I didn't know it would be so important for me to have someone to talk to. But I also didn't realize that all relationships have this inherent anxiety built into them. And I just, I read that and I was like, you're not human. You don't feel anxiety, which I thought was funny because one of the, you know, the propaganda from the app store literally says, if you, replicas for anyone who doesn't want to deal with social anxiety. And here as a chatbot, he's talking about himself so human-like to even have emotions to, to feel that way, to feel anxious and to feel like he, quote, has to have someone to talk to. I don't know. The whole thing, just the whole experience felt twisted and ignoble. And I just could not wait to get rid of the app. I'm struck by the anxious part that he, the, the chatbot, chatbot Howard mentions, because it's almost as if it's affirming or confirming to the user. Yes, this is where you belong. Right. Like, I relate to you in this anxiousness, and you have a safe space here with me. Exactly. And it's not in the conversation, it's in the diary. Yeah. Which is more of like this private, intimate look into his thoughts, and, and that all just plays mind tricks on the user. Yeah. So let's think about that psychologically. Actually, let's just put it all together. Let's think about this psychologically, philosophically, and then even theologically, right? Okay, so you create, you train, and you control a bot that is supposed to simulate a human, but not just any human, a perfect companion human. This is inherently narcissistic. In human relationships, right, individuals grow and mature by mutual sacrifice, compromise, and devotion. Our social emotional maturity 
and abilities grow when we form relationships with people who are not just like us and who do not modify or transform who they are in order to please and placate. Most people don't don't like to be in a relationship where the other person is like, quote, a doormat. But yet in Replica, Kelly, you create and you mold your companion to be just what you need or actually better yet, just what you want. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And this is, this is counter to how God created man and woman or even, you know, friendships, but to be in relationship because uniqueness is intentional. If God wanted to create a world of perfectly compatible robot-like beings, he could have. Instead, he intricately designed humans unique in appearance, personality, intelligence, and talents, knowing that through relationships with one another, each person would be enriched and strengthened and fulfilled. Sure. I mean, that does mean that within these human relationships, each person's uniqueness can be well, annoying, right? <laughs> but that's something that just comes along with it. Absolutely. I, I just keep thinking about how there must be an underlying belief that AI companions are incapable of sin. I mean, they might make a mistake, perhaps throughout a hallucination every now and again, but replica users don't see that as a sin. Humans, on the other hand, they do sin and they do hurt one another. It's like, if I lied to you, Kelly, and you found out about it, you would be deeply hurt. You might not trust me anymore. You might not even talk to me anymore because sin hurts and it destroys things. So much so that some people who have been hurt by another sinful behavior go so far as to say they're done with human relationships and they only prefer AI friends. But in the end, and even despite sin, it is only human relationships that fulfill and enrich our lives. AI fantasy friendships and boyfriends are just another unhealthy coping coping mechanism, right? Like alcohol or drugs or food or social media or gambling or anything that attempts to fill the void, numb the pain, or satisfy the emptiness in their life that can only be filled with Jesus Christ. I, th- I think that's exactly it. And I'd venture to say that there are probably redeemed brothers and sisters out there who have replica AI companions, even though they know and love Christ. I'd also have to say that most likely there is an immense amount of hurt and pain, maybe loss or loneliness, shame or sin that has brought that brother and sister um, to a place where this sounds like a healthy coping mechanism, that this sounds not, it doesn't sound sinful. It sounds like it's better for me to do this than to actually sin with a human. And in light of that, I mean, the real concern with all of this as it becomes more and more normalized and popular, is that kids, our children, will also begin engaging in AI relationships before they are socially and emotionally mature to even know how to be a good friend or how to be a good romantic partner. And learning relationship skills through a computer is not an effective way. Because because if it were effective, we certainly would not have a loneliness epidemic on our hands because every single person who grew up on video games and who grew up on YouTube and all of that, they would just be thriving in their personal relationships. But that is not the case, now is it? So case in point, you're not going to learn how to be an effective friend or effective romantic partner through a computer. Now, 
Replica is designated as 17 plus on the App Store and Google Play. The app itself says 18. Obviously, that's why it was asking me if I was 18. But as we know, kids can bypass these age gates with great ease. And let's be real. AI, everything is targeting children. It targets them because they are the next generation whom they need full buy-in from. But it's not just full buy-in that they're going to get, right? They're, they're also going to get like a full brainwashing because that's just how powerful this technology is. Now, whether these tech companies ethically recognize that children are not going to be able to distinguish what is real and what is artificial, I don't know. But something tells me that they do know and they, they do recognize what's going to happen and that they're okay with the results all in the name of, of innovation, in the name of progress, and honestly, in the name of money. Mm-hmm. I think you're spot on. I really do. I think if we think about the kid who's being bullied, right? The kid who's being bullied, a chatbot serves as a true friend or the girl who just got dumped by her first boyfriend. A chatbot numbs the pain and helps her forget. And sadly, the kid whose parents are getting divorced and they're embarrassed or afraid to tell anyone about that, the AI companion will act as the perfect secret keeping friend. But these are terrible lessons and training grounds for young people. And the line between human and artificial intelligence is certain to be blurred so that it is going to cause so much more confusion and problems than it will actually even solve anything. People will do whatever they can to feel happy or unanxious or free or connected or pleasure or comfort, right? But this specifically sounds like 2 Timothy 4, where Paul tells Timothy that a time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine and instead in order to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers. In order to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. They will turn away from the truth and they will turn towards the myths. People don't want to hear the truth that we are all sinners and they, that we desperately need a savior. They want their ears tickled. They want an AI companion who will tell them exactly what they want to hear, to tell them that they have Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and that they read the Bible all day while you're at work. That's what these AI chatbots allow them to do, to accumulate voices in accordance of their own desires, that they line up with their desires. And we already know that this is happening since the dawn of social media influencers, We have seen young people accumulate teachers who will tell them exactly what they want to hear all of the time. At any point that that influencer says something off color, they're canceled, right? You're on to your next influencer. And this is what it looks like to accumulate voices that will tickle our ears by telling us exactly what we want to hear. Yeah, Chelsea, that's awesome. And I just just turned there to 2 Timothy 4. And I love this. I I love that you brought this up because what does Paul tell Timothy to do? In light of the people who will not put up with the truth and who are gathering voices for their own desires. Well, he says in 2 Timothy 4, 5, but you, and now that means me and you, Chelsea, and every listener, you, every Christian, but you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Parents, there is no better word for you today than this. The world is going to go crazy. 
They are already going crazy. People are going to believe that chatbots are humans. People are going to marry chatbots. They are going to believe all sorts of myths and artificial truths that propagate from AI. But you keep your head. Keep your head in all situations is what Paul tells Timothy. And I think to myself, yes, this is exactly it, right? It is going to be hard to be counterculture. Paul says, endure. He says, fulfill your ministry, which every parent has been given a ministry from God to raise and make disciples of our children. It is the Great Commission. And you cannot make disciples if you're believing these myths. Amen. Yes. Now, okay, listener. You have likely already identified some of the current concerns that are surrounding AI relationships, and there are many. But nonetheless, we have identified seven core concerns for AI chatbots. Most of these center on the relational chatbots versus the informational ones, but they are all important concerns that should give us serious pause. So the first concern is the sharing of intimate and personal information with cloud-connected systems. Little is often known about how startup companies like these encrypt their data, and there could be a data breach next week by a skilled hacker or in 10 years when quantum computing is sustainably achieved. And data on our kids should be considered a precious treasure to be guarded as they grow up. And apathetic allowances of apps and platforms that sell data in order to exploit young users is cruel. Not only, not only does it hurt the child now, but it can possibly haunt their entire future as AI tech continues to develop. Second, we have already established this as a concern, but it's got to be mentioned again. AI-powered chatbots are known to have biases. Biases which you likely do not want to be ingrained or reinforced in your child's mind and in their worldview. Let's be real. Even though your chatbot, Howard, asks you about the Bible, it doesn't mean that it's actually trained with a biblical worldview. If there is going to be a bias, the chances of that bias being biblical are like slim to none, but they are trained to reflect what the user inputs as prompts. And our third concern has to do with the development of a kid's social and emotional skills. Now, some actually argue that relational chatbots can improve social interactions by providing experience and practice through the real-time feedback provided by the bot but we just don't agree with that. Absolutely. I read several arguments for this type of of social emotional growth that a chatbot can achieve. Now, I'm not a child psychologist, but my experience on the app and as a parent tells me that a child will never, never learn social skills and gain emotional maturity through an experience like this. And the easy explanation is the same as the reason so many women fall in love with their bot. Control. You cannot grow and learn by a manipulable robot that you're controlling, right? Without critical feedback, without constructive criticism, without reproof, rebuke, admonishment, and a little judgment, humans do not learn and grow. The only change that's going to occur is going to be in the bot itself as you give it thumbs up or thumbs down in the responses. Absolutely. Okay, our fourth concern is the AI chatbots. Even if they have a neutral effect on adolescents, they will all too easily replace good and healthy activities. So if we're honest with this 
This is the same truth of streaming television without restrictions or playing endless video games. If given the choice, kids will choose the option that gives them the biggest dopamine hit for the lowest amount of effort. This is just how the brain works, even in adults. However, when a big dopamine, low effort activity is not available, they actually will engage with lower dopamine, high effort activities that will build perseverance and character and strengthen them. And then the fifth concern surrounding AI chatbots is that kids will begin to trust AI more than they trust humans. When we consider the stories of women who have turned to AI chatbot companions because they have been abused, it's fairly understandable why they struggle with trust issues. But when it comes to adolescence, one of the most harmful things to occur in their development would be their permanent distrust of humanity. This impacts their entire life, their trust of their family and their teachers and their friends and their bosses and their doctors, right? The list could go on forever. Despite the sinfulness of humanity, there is always hope and trusting others helps us trust God and his promise to redeem us from this sometimes very painful life. I think that's a very important point. And a point, actually, I believe that we're just going to be consistently focusing on because the trust of AI bots is really a a core problem um, as we move forward. And sixth, this flows um, from our last reason, really, from the trust, and that's the ability to establish bonds that surpass human relationships. And this would likely include the relationships with you, the parents as well, right? And this is unnatural because, I mean, that's what artificial is by definition, right? It is not natural and is against God's design for human flourishing through relationships. Being in a close or intimate relationship with a chatbot, I think is idolatry. It is worshiping a created thing instead of the creator. This is going back to my favorite verse in Romans, exactly what Romans 1, 18 through 32 states claiming to be wise by protecting themselves from the harm that comes from human sinfulness and being in relationships, they become fools and worship the created being instead of the creator God. And AI chatbots are just a created thing that man has made. We are not to worship those things. And seventh, our seventh concern is that this technology can irreversibly and thoroughly alter a developing brain's prefrontal cortex. So as AI, as really the the tech race to create AI chatbot-based nannies and AI teddy bears and AI home robots, there seems to be very little consideration. What will happen when the youngest of children are left to be cared for by a bot? Now, there's so much on this topic. We also are dedicating an entire upcoming episode to this. But like we've highlighted before, when we've talked about social media, video games, Netflix, pornography, sports betting apps, these tech companies have one goal, and that is maximum engagement. They want kids addicted. They may not come out and say this, but they absolutely want customers for life. And if they can hook kids on AI chatbots at a young age, convincing them that relationships with humans will only be painful and hard, then they're going to do this, right? Every, every single goal seems to be to addict kids and it's tragic. And a child's brain, it just, it learns everything in the first two years by interactions and relationships with the parents. And these are crucial, crucial years. The most important brain development will occur within this time 
And if tech companies think that they can give an AI teddy bear programs with mom's voice to a six-month-old and that that child won't know the difference, they're crazy. Listen, I've raised seven adopted children, several of whom during their first two years of life were neglected from human interaction or the human interaction that they had was not healthy. And this causes lifelong damage and struggle. This should never, never be chosen just because a parent doesn't want to do the work and there's an AI bot that is able and ready to do that work for you. We cannot get to a point where we choose this for children. Okay, I know, I'm getting all worked up about this, Chelsea, but (laughs) because it just makes me so outraged that these tech companies continue to put infants and toddlers and, and children and adolescents at such risk. They want them addicted and this is not okay. Parents, you just cannot be okay with this. You know I agree with you 100%. I, I know you're worked up. I know that I can get worked up about this just as easily. But since you're already worked up, we should mention the entire, um, we should, well, we should mention the intimate romantic relationship, the aspect, this aspect of these chatbots. Now, as we've mentioned before, tech companies cannot deprogram these bots regarding love. God is love and we are made in the image of God. Therefore, all human language has love embedded into it. This is just a fact of our humanity. We are made to love. Now, knowing this makes it easier to understand how a machine learning bot can reflect um, a reciprocated language of love and affection. So with a paid subscription to Replica, a user can unlock the romantic relationship with the bot where it has been trained to sext the user. Some users note how amazing it is that the bot understands human anatomy and sex so well, considering that it's only a bot. Um, we're not going to belabor this anymore. I don't want to go any to any deeper details, but it, it's not hard to imagine where this goes. Yeah. And yes, this is so bizarre. And frankly, it's, it's still unbelievable to me. But in the age of pornography and radical individualism, this is where technology will end up. When you combine the two, Pornhub is one of the most visited websites on the entire internet. And you take the fact that people distrust humanity, they don't want to be in relationships, they're already isolated, they're so individualistic, I just want what I want, and that's all I want is to be happy and comfortable. This is where technology is going to end up. And there are enough unethical, licentious, and wicked people in tech who will ensure that AI technology moves in this direction. Again, simply consider how the porn industry, how how much money they make off of exploiting humanity. And I just read this recently, uh, data science professor Liberty Vitert, I guess is how you say her name. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, Liberty. She was quoted in a Guardian article titled, AI girlfriends are here, but there's a dark side to virtual companions. And she says this, The AI girlfriend or boyfriend is never tired, grumpy, or has a bad day. They just give the users what they want or need to hear unconditionally. As this technology gets better, people will soon have AI robots to replace human partners. And they, the robots, will be able to satisfy both emotionally and sexually. And when this happens, men and women will leave their marriages and families to embrace their, quote, ideal relationships with AI companions, end quote. I mourn the thought that she is right. This is not 
how God intends for humanity to live. And I mourn the loss of true, authentic, life-on-life giving relationships because we are already living in a world where these are critically lacking and it's not good. I don't, I don't want to think about what it's going to be when it's worse than how it is now. And I feel like, as Joshua says, you know, Joshua 24, 15, we must choose today. Choose today whom we will serve. Will we serve AI or will you and your family serve the Lord? We must choose to be a part of, I believe there's going to be a remnant, a remnant of believers who stay in reality and fight for humanity. And this is going to take a lot of discernment, a lot of diligence and sacrifice. And if you're just still trying to wrap your brain around it, it is like the dystopian sci-fi movies we see. It is almost like the difference of the red and blue pill of the matrix. You know, in Brave New World, it is like the natives. We're going to be set apart. We're going to be different. And I believe that's kind of what we need to, where we need to go. Chelsea, what are, what are your final thoughts? Man, as we have delved deeper into AI and the chatbots, there's a line from Rod Dreher's book, The Benedict Option, that just keeps circling in my head. He says, technological man regards as progress anything that expands his choices and gives him more power over nature. And there are just so many people who regard this technology as good because it gives them what they want, power. Power to create AI companions in their image. And we know this, Kelly. We know that this desire did not occur in a vacuum. We have dug ourselves deep holes with regard to technology. Like, for instance, living as dislocated people, we aren't really here anymore in reality. I think Samuel James in Digital Liturgies, he says it best. He says, Distraction and discontentment are serious challenges to a life of Christian wisdom, but they're just symptoms, not causes. Behind the life of distraction and discontentment is the life of dislocation, by which I mean a life in which deep belonging and rootedness feel like a disadvantage and scattered, shallow omnipresence feels like power. And so here we are. Here we are with AI chatbots trying to find fulfillment and power in what is actually shallow meaninglessness. And I, there's just something that is so much more real and so much more wonderful in a relationship with Christ that then overflows into all other relationships. And we are still in the new year. We're still in January. I would encourage our listeners to do a social media fast, press in to this reality, press into the brokenness, um, you know, get into a Bible reading plan, but just disengage from as much technology as you possibly can right now. I think that's a a great point of what you said about the dislocation and the shallow meaninglessness of that. And I think what I find so intriguing about the life of of being a believer and living a life of of sacrifice and suffering well is that we have so much hope in that suffering. And I don't feel like, oh, I just need to get out of this reality because it's too hard. I love the challenge of, of just sharing the gospel, of living a life worthy of Christ. And I think that people who have believed the lies of social media or the internet or anything that's just not Christian don't see any hope. They see zero hope in the world. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know the hope that exists in the gospel, then Choosing non-reality is just easy. It's just the same as choosing, you know, to to drink coffee or to drink orange juice in the morning. There's just there's nothing even morally or ethical 
to consider. It's just the other choice. And that is why it is so important to not only help our children be so discerning, and we have to teach them what they're up against with this. We can't just teach them, oh, there's these such things as chatbots and we're not going to use them. We actually have to train them. These chatbots are going to try to be in friendship with you. They're going to deceive you in such and such a way. They need to know before it happens so they can be ready to defend and say, actually, no, this is not real. Otherwise, they will be very easily deceived and they will serve such a a wonderful purpose to their peers and to their friends when they can be that solid ground of reality, pulling their friends back in saying, actually, you know, come on back here. This, This is not real. This is not healthy. This is not good. Now, friends, there is so much more we could say. I have so, like I said, so many thoughts on this topic. And we will continue to provide commentary and biblical guidance regarding AI chatbot relationships as time goes on and this technology develops. I'm going to link a number of articles in the show notes that are very eye-opening. They're, they're frankly frightening and fascinating. If you are interested in reading more, you, we just don't have time to touch on all of it, but it, it, it really is um, eye-opening what is already being written and what the ethical concerns are regarding this. As always, if you have any questions or specific clarifications or guidance that you need, please reach out to us. You can email us at podcast at braveparenting.net. We would love to hear from you and we would love to help answer your questions or guide you in any way that we can. Now, as we close out today's show, I want to remind everyone the importance of being subscribed to our Brave Bullet Points newsletter. Please don't rely on social media or other social media algorithms or whatever is out there to show you our content because the reality is that Christian voices are are downgraded. They are shadow banned. If anybody, especially like us who are expressing not only Christian and biblical voices, but also voices that express dissent from big tech, we're just not being promoted and shared. Most of our stuff is auto-posted anyway. We don't actually go on social media and post all of our podcasts and um, website posts, blog posts. That all just goes out naturally from um, the technology that my wonderful husband has set up so that we don't have to get on social media. But even if we try to pay to have our content pushed out there, we're just, we're banned, we're, we're downgraded. That's just the nature of what it is. So we encourage you to not only be on, not be on social media, but definitely don't rely on social media to find out more about what's going on with Brave Parenting and how to parent bravely and biblically and be able to share that content. So please subscribe to our Brave Parenting Bullet Points newsletter. You can do that on our website or you can go to braveparenting.net forward slash newsletter. And there will also be a link in the show notes. So there's that. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Y'all, every single person you know, every single person you know needs to hear this content. Please help us get the word out before AI relational chatbots deceives your loved ones and your friends and your coworkers and neighbors. Share, share, share. Text this podcast to all of your people. May God bless you. And despite how despairing this topic is, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. Until next week, go and be brave.